Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. My next guest is on the phone. She is a producer with a strong music background and director, known for the remix Hip Hop Times Fashion which is this year her newest project. Also has worked on Precious, which is a 2009 project, and The Woodsman, which is a 2004 project. Her next project that she's on the phone to talk about is The Apollo. We're talking about the famous Apollo in Harlem. The Apollo weaves together archival footage of music, comedy, and dance performances with behind-the-scenes footage of the team that makes the theater run. The film features interviews with such artists as Angela Bassett, Common, Jamie Foxx, Dougie Fresh, Patty LaBelle, Paul McCartney, Smokey Robinson, and Pharrell. The Apollo Debates, Wednesday, November 6th. So you have to watch it. The documentary on HBO. Got to watch it on HBO. Debates, Wednesday, November 6th. It's also available on HBO Now, HBO Go, and HBO On Demand. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the first time we've, we've spoken, and I'm happy there will be many, many conversations in the, in the future. Please welcome to the show, Lisa Cortez. Thank you very much. <laughs> How you doing, Lisa? I am Gucci good, as we say in Harlem. Well, you know, uh, the thing about Lisa, this is the first time we've talked. Um, I always like to everybody kind of get a sense of who I am interviewing. Uh, I get credits, and sometimes the credits are narrowed down to the project that I'm speaking of. Can you give us a little bit more about your background before you really got into the film and television side of your career? Uh, yeah, I, I was very lucky to uh, start my professional career working at Def Jam and Rush in the golden age of hip-hop. 
And from there, I went on to Mercury Records with Ed Eckstein and then ultimately had my own label at Polygram called Loose Cannon Records. Um, <laughs> after a certain time, I think as I saw the changes that was happening in the uh, music business in the late 90s, Ooh, long time ago, uh, I decided I wanted to start making films because I saw that the power of cinema could travel all over the world and that a picture was truly worth a thousand words. And um, after going back to film school and kind of, you know, starting from the ground up again, I ended up working with Lee Daniels and was his producing partner for 10 years. Wow. And so let me ask you this. Now, the Apollo. The, now, my background, just to let everybody know, I'm a former stand-up comic um, at a comedy club in Houston, Texas, called the Hip Hop Comedy Stop. I used to funnel talent to the Amateur Night. One of the famous features of the Apollo is Amateur Night. And they would tape the show, and they'd be a part of the show. They would come down, and they would screen talent. So i just say that, Lisa, is that I'm, I'm excited to interview you because I feel like I'm a part of the history that you're talking about on this show because it expands 85 years. That's a lot to talk about in a documentary. Oh, yeah. and But the thing about what our director, Roger Ross Williams, has done is he's made those 85 years not only go by so quickly, but to evoke memories that we all have. Everybody's got a connection to the Apollo. If you've been there, if you've watched Showtime, if you have listened to great artists who were given their start there. And so the history goes by so quickly, but we also talk about temporary stories of what is happening at the Apollo. So this documentary is not a museum piece. It okay. is very much alive. When you say that, let's let's talk about, uh, let's share a little bit more detail about the direction, the vision, and telling the story. Because you're saying that, see, when I, because I would have an approach, I would do a, a Apollo about all the all the great hosts that were there with Showtime at the Apollo. Whoopi Goldberg was host, Rick Avilas. When I was moved to New York in '88, Rick Avilas was the host at the time for Showtime at the Apollo. Then Martin Lawrence, Sinbad, and then when Sinbad left, then Steve Harvey took over. And Monique took over, Kid Reed, Anthony Anderson. Through that whole concert was my girl Kiki Shepard. She was always out there. She was the original. I like to call it Vanna White. Before Vanna White, it was always Kiki Shepard. That's a part of the story. But you're not delving so much in that part of the story. You're telling how the process worked at the Apollo and the interviewing people involved? Well, we tell the history of the Apollo as a very important place for the souls of black folks. Right. It was a place that, you know, at the top of the circuit that welcomed us as performers when other venues did not. It was the place, uh, you know, where dreams are born. And so the documentary is about great moments. Right. Like Billie Holiday performing Strange Fruit there. Right. It is a story, it's the stories of Patti LaBelle talking about what it was to be a black woman on the road in a segregated America and what mm -hmm. it meant to arrive mm -hmm. at the Apollo and what she and the Bluebells learned there. So it is great moments in Apollo history, mm -hmm. but it's also the, it's political. Right. It is the intersection of how we as black folks use our art to take 
to lift ourselves out of oppression, but also our art is coded with information on resilience and survival. And so the documentary is, you know, it's clips of performers. It is, you know, when we talk about amateur night, we interviewed Miss Eva. And I think you remember Miss Eva was the lady who sat in the front row Come on and now. hung up on everybody. Come on now. You know, and we talked to, um, you know, Billy Mitchell, the, the resident historian, and Joe Gray, you know, the head of stage, who's also the set it off man. We, you know, we're looking at the people who work at the Apollo because they're as important to the story as the artists who've graced the stage. In addition to polit- politicians like, you know, uh, Ch- Charles Rangel, who, mm-hmm. you know, went there as a young man. So, uh, and Paul McCartney, who said, you know, coming to America, that's the first place the Beatles wanted to go. <laughs> right, right. You know, the Apollo is the crossroads. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's really interesting when I, because, you know, I've walked in Apollo, you know, first of all, it's, it's bigger than life. Because if you walk in, you go, okay, this is how big it really is. But that doesn't mean that. But the process of getting on that stage, it was really interesting. You 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 have the you have the audience, but when you walk on that stage and you look at the audience, it's almost overwhelming because there's so much history that comes. I've seen Prince on stage there, you know, do mm-hmm. his thing. I, you know, you know, uh, uh, James Brown recorded a live album at the Apollo that became one of his biggest sellers. And uh, mm-hmm. now the the one of the Parts of the Apollo that stood out the most was Amateur Night. And the reason I say that is that how important was Amateur Night to the history of the Apollo venue? Amateur Night is so important. You know, 1934, the theater opens. 1934, Ella Fitzgerald is an Amateur Night. That just goes to show you the scope of and depth of the talent that was given an opportunity there. Amateur Night is also interesting because the first time, you know, Lauren Hill performed as a young girl, she was booed off the stage. What is unique about the Apollo is that the audience is in on it. The audience and the performer have a unique conversation because the Apollo is church. And so there's very few places that you that entertainment venues that you're going to have the kind of call and response between the performer and the audience in the way that you do at the Apollo. Well, you know, it's really important that you say that. Let, let me read something about the Apollo has ser- served as a launch pad for such legendary talents. Like you mentioned, Billie Holiday, Aretha Franklin, like you just mentioned, Ella Fitzgerald, the Supreme, Stevie Wonder, Jimi Hendrix, Smokey Robinson, Ray Charles. Patty LaBelle, who's being interviewed in the uh, documentary, showcased comedians such as Red Fox, Dick Gregory, Dick Gregory, Richard Pryor, the great, incredible uh, Moms Maley. I hope somebody does a, a movie on her one day, Moms Maley, incredible actor Jamie Foxx. And you interviewed Jamie Foxx in the documentary. Yes, correct? we did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that. We also have clips from Moms Maley and Dick Gregory and Richard Pryor mm-hmm. and Chris Rock. Um, you know, that speak to the unique connection that comedians had with the theater, but also what it is, how we use comedy um, in a very unique way. Right. Now, the interesting thing about it, are you able to talk about the origin of the booing? 
Yes, we we talk about the boo <laughs> because not, that that right there, Miss Eva was was awesome. But the booing is what what what, what separated uh, the talent from the wannabe talent. That would that's what you walked on stage with this with this fear that you can be rejected massively by a room full of people, which can crush some people or just make them determined to come back and show these people that I'm better than what you think that, that I am. So talk to, talk to us about the origin of the boo. Well, you know, I mean, we, um, the power of the boo <laughs> is something that is, uh, we spend some time with. And I want to talk too much cause I want people to see the, Oh, absolutely. 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 Uh, but we definitely get into the power of the boo and the place that it has played with artists. Right. Um, even Jamie Foxx talks about, you know, his experience there. Oh, I remember his experience. I was actually there on the side of the stage. So I, I will, I, I know about that. I know about a lot of these famous people as a comedian. See, see the thing about it is that the Apollo, um, as a I, I, I never, I, I, I wasn't bold enough to get out there. I'm going to admit to everybody. I didn't, I didn't, I had an opportunity to go in front of that state. I, it was something about New York, the fact, I remember one time, um, because um, I, I was like, I moved to New York in 1988, and I used to go to Apollo and watch and, and uh, amateur night. And I remember you catch the subway downtown because Apollo's on 125th Street. And so, uh, and I remember it was it was this guy. He got booed on stage. He had a red suit on, and um, he was sitting on he was sitting on the in, on the subway. And there's like a group of like about five people walked up to him. And they say, "Excuse me, uh, are you the dude who was just performing at the Apollo?" He said, "Yes," and they went. <laughs> well, you know, an interesting thing that happened with the Apollo. Lisa, now, they booed him from 125th to 42nd. Okay. That's cold. That is very cold. <laughs> they booed that young man. So I don't know if he ever wore that red suit again, but I'm just letting you know the power of the boo left the building with them, okay? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to wrap up this and, segment and you know right what? quick. Lisa, we're going to wrap up this segment right quick, and we're going to continue with some great interviews. This is an amazing interview about this. It's a documentary about the Apollo that's, uh, uh, that's premiering uh, November 6th on um, HBO. Uh, HBO Streaming Networks, Cortez Production is the people who are producing this project. The Apollo documentary about an amazing venue that has changed lives even today. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversations. We're talking about the documentary, uh, The Apollo. Uh, we're on the phone with uh, the producer, uh, Lisa Cortez. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm really excited because you're talking about a piece of history, um, uh, entertainment history, The Apollo. I've been fortunate to, I lived in New York in 88 and, and 90. As a stand-up comic, I was uh, pursuing a career as a stand-up comic when I was living in New York, so I had to go over there and watch Amateur Night. And then I moved back to New York in 2005 as a t- to 2007 when I was managing Steve Harvey, and we were our, we launched our radio broadcast network on WBLS 107.5 in New York City. So I've seen the the, the transition in the, in the process, because uh, when I was managing Steve, he actually managed uh was seven years i believe he was the host of uh the tv version of showtime at the apollo so i was always at that facility and a lot of the names that you're talking about are people that i'm familiar with but i ask you now the question i have to ask 
Why this story now? You know, why? Well, you know, it was amazing for us to discover that there had been a documentary about the Apollo. So many greats from dance, vocalists, right. comedian has, you know, like everybody, politicians have been there. And it's a Mecca. Right. And it was kind of like, this is a story that is so rich and it is continuing to grow and evolve as the theater becomes a place where new productions are being created. So one of the things we do in the film is we map the production and presentation of a special stage reading of Ta-Nehisi Coates' Between the World and Me mm -hmm. that the Apollo created. Mm -hmm. You know, Ta-Nehisi is our James Baldwin. Right. And this piece with music by Jason Moran is serious. <laughs> and the Apollo created this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's that place where our African-American creativity, our conversations are held in such reverence. Now, it's really interesting because you know, we're, we're upbeat, and, I, and to my understanding, the documentary, and we're not trying to tell the story of the documentary. We want people to watch the show when it premieres November 6th on HBO. Uh, it's important that people understand that. But you want to talk about the good times and the bad times at the Apollo, correct? Yes, we do. We take people through the opening, the challenges that the theater uh, faced, and then the incredible solution that the theater has found that has placed it in this really thriving, prosperous place. Yeah. The film is also about African-American history right. because you cannot separate the two. You know, our entertainment does not come from a bubble. Our entertainment that we create comes from both our joy and our pain, and we use it as a means of expressing ourselves. Now, I'm, and I'm pretty sure, you know, Apollo is synonymous with music. Uh, and uh, the creative collabor collaborators on the, the music. Let's talk about you coming to the project, Lisa. Because uh, uh, to my understanding, White Horse Production is the, is the company that's producing. Yes, White the, Horse Pictures. Mm -hmm. White Horse Pictures, excuse me, is producing the project. How, was, how did you get involved in the project, Lisa? Uh, you know, I ran into the director, Roger Ross Williams. Mm -hmm. We've always wanted to work together. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, Lisa, I've come on this new project. Uh, and what are you up to? You live in Harlem. You have a background <laughs> in the music industry. You know, let's let's come to, uh, you know, can you join the team? And I was like, can I start right now? Right, right, um, right. It, it was such a delight because I've been going to the theater since I was a child. You know, it's really important when you when you start telling the story, you, you're interviewing the right people, getting the right people on camera who have a have an emotional connection to the people. I know we talked about Jamie Foxx. Uh, you mentioned Paul McCartney. Who, who are, are some of the other people that were interviewed for uh, describing special moments at the uh, Apollo for the documentary? Oh, wow. Um, Dougie Fresh. My man. Mm -hmm. uh, he, and, and Dougie's amazing, you know, and it connects us to that whole time with the role that the theater played in presenting hip-hop mm -hmm. when a lot of other venues were not doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, Angela Bassett. 
Um, we spoke with Miss Bassett. Uh, of course, Smokey Robinson, Patty LaBelle, Pharrell Williams, uh, the incredible Camila Forbes, the executive wow. producer wow. now at the yeah. theater. I see you got Leslie Chanel Uggins Coco. is here. Uh, oh, who? Leslie Uggams, yeah, Miss yeah. Uggams, she's who great. I love on yeah. Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool. <laughs> if you have, uh, Savion Glover absolutely. to talk about the history of dance there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we just, everyone uh, just gave, was so generous with their time and with their memories. And, and Miss Patty LaBelle, you know, she invited us to her home and uh, just, she took care of us. We were absolutely. like, no, we're here to interview and take care of you. Miss Patty's like, no. Sit down, no, no. get comfortable, She's that what y'all want to eat. She's that person. You know, it's really interesting when you have all this footage, and we, we kind of hit on it early on with 85 years, and you said Roger, the director, had a had a vision of it. What was your, you know, like I said, you came on board with the project. The project was moving forward. You came on as a very instrumental person. How did you, you know, I, I look at Marvel. Marvel, you know, they put all these storyboards. They said, we're going to start here, we're going to start here. How did you start pulling pulling all this, putting all this together, you know, roughly less than two hours, the documentary. It's a lot going on, Lisa. I got to keep saying that because it's a lot. There's so many different ways you could have taken a story. And how, you know, what, what were y'all just shooting down ideas? No, we're not going to do that. How, we, how did this how did this whole process start evolving to being shot? And this is how we're going to tell the story, beginning, middle, and end. I really need to clearly understand that. I want to, not saying that you're not doing that, but I really want to let people know this is 85 years. This is yeah. a legendary facility that's still open today, creating stars. You know, this, this story is, is um, it's big. And there were many stories that we wanted to tell that time did not allow for. You know, in the process of producing is really, you know, led by the North Star that the director sets. And so once we have the North Star of, we're going to create different timelines in the edit room, and we're gonna look at major moments in the Apollo history, major moments in African-American okay. history, mm -hmm. American history, and musical history. Wow. How mm -hmm. do they intersect? Right. What are the moments that stand bright? Right. You know, when you think of what is happening to black folks in the 30s, when Billie Holiday goes and sings Strange Fruit on the stage of the Apollo, she's singing a protest song, you know, and so it becomes more than the song, more than Billie Holiday, it becomes a very big part of our history. Mm -hmm. And so uh, how does it happen? We have a great team. I worked with two other producers, Jeannie Alfonsesta, Cassidy Hartman. We had incredible editors, uh, Gene Chen and John Fisher, amazing music supervisors, Dondi Bastone, uh, Gilly Rockwell, and, and so many other people. Um, if you look at the credits, our credits go for like seven minutes because <laughs> there's an amazing team, you know, an archival producer to help us find footage. Mm -hmm. And what was most important that person was in busy. producing this was to keep <laughs> the love, right. the love mm -hmm. central. This is a love song to the Apollo, to the place that it holds not only for African-Americans, but for to the world. Absolutely. It's, a, it's such a recognized, uh, iconic, uh, and it's really just, you know, 
I, I, like I said, I've been I moved to New York in '88, so I've seen not only the the community change around the Apollo. You know, is a you know, gentrification is set in, and it's the atmosphere is different. Uh, uh, what you how people shop around the Apollo. It's just a whole different atmosphere around it, which doesn't diminish what the Apollo is. It just shows you even with change, it stays the Apollo. It stays an iconic place where you can see talent on amateur night today. You know, still there, go on stage. They still boo there. You still see great shows. Plays are being done there. A lot of great touring events are being done there. Major superstars are still recording comedy. Uh, uh, not only just African-American talent, but also white talent is also performing and booking themselves at the Apollo. Before we get off the air, though, Lisa, you have another project that I want to uh, be remiss in not having you talk about. It's called Hip Hop Times Fashion. Tell us about that. Oh, and yes. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that for a Thank couple of minutes. So we'll wrap up. Okay. Well, it's called The Remix, Hip Hop Times Fashion. And mm-hmm. it's a story of the women behind the scenes in hip hop fashion who created not only the looks that changed how we express ourselves, but it also are the looks that then went to the runway. And so we talked to people like Misa Hilton, the style architect who created those incredible looks for Missy Elliott and Mary and Little Kim, April Walker, Walker Ware, and, of course, Dapper Dan, you know, who started it all. Started uh, Hilton was the one with the little famous outfit for Little Kim on the, with Diana Ross, right? Yeah, with the VH1. Right, the, <laughs> yeah. With the nipple out. Oh, yeah, to say that, yeah, to say that. The creativity. <laughs> oh, yes. I just want to let everybody know how iconic that moment was. I actually interviewed her on Money Making Conversations, so I'm very familiar. We laughed about it a lot. So so she was, and she also has a fashion school up in New York as well that's really popular yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that's a project I produced and co-directed with Farrah, Khalid, Farrah X, and uh, it will be coming to a streaming service mm-hmm. that I will be able to announce shortly. Yes, ma'am. Um, to next year, it's going to be out in the world. We've had a great run at festivals. We've won many awards as the best documentary. And I love it because I was a woman in hip hop, and I've seen so many hip hop documentaries that really leave out the story of the contributions of women behind the scenes. Absolutely. And you know. We've been there from the beginning. When Cool Herc threw that party mm-hmm. and he DJed at right. for the very first time, right. his sister threw the party. His sister sold the tickets. Right. So I think it's important in looking at our hip-hop history mm-hmm. that we make certain that a place is set at the table for the contributions of women. My friend, uh, first of all, you, you know you have love on this show. Thank you for producing The Apollo. Again, airs on November 6th on HBO and all its streaming channels, HBO on demand as well. Lisa, when your next project comes out, the remix, please come back. I know it's next year, but keep us on your calendar. I want to continue to promote the brand of Lisa Cortez. You're an exciting talent. You're very creative. With your music background and now you're in the film, you can only keep winning. Again, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Thank you, Lisa Cortez. Thank you.